Hey there, it's Rakim, Emacs Cast episode 9. This is the second part of writing in Emacs and org mode. As usual, let's start with the config news. Oh no, wait, let's start with thank yous. Thank you so much again for supporting me, for your emails. Some people write me an email and we just start talking about stuff. And uh, it's um, it's kind of bad to say this, but I've been doing public projects for a while in, in different communities, different languages and different topics. And Emacs... Uh, an Emacs cast so far is, uh, how do I say this without being, sounding like a dick, um, it kind of filters people in a way that 100% of people who contacted me or who I've been talking to because of Emacs cast are nice, interesting people. It's statistically almost impossible, but that's the case so far. And it's not only because the thing is so small and the, the, the project uh, and the, the community itself, it's not like a popular thing. It's it's really niche thing. But I've had less pleasant experiences. Uh, n- nothing bad happens. Like I'm not saying like, people do bad things. It's just overall niceness and, and approachability and open-mindedness and, you know, just being a, a, a pleasant human being, kind of a pleasant, humane, communicating experience having that experience of course i have this uh, many of you i bet have this too a new email comes and there's this possibility then there's this feeling in you that might be something not awesome but i have this filter of when email comes to the emacs cast address it, it goes into a special folder and when a new email unread email is in that folder i have the opposite feeling i know th- this is something good this is either uh, someone just saying thank you which is good on itself, but for the most part, people write me like a big letter, like a, a real humane letter with the way they introduce themselves, they, they tell about the story with Emacs, they, they tell something that resonated with them after hearing something I said in the in the episode. And uh, yeah, it's, it's just, I don't want to say like uh, certain things and, and technologies and ideas filter people by how nice they are, or make them nice. It's it's not like I have no idea. I don't want to get into that. But uh, that's that was my experience so far. So thank you so much. Feel free to email me. It's emacscast at rakim dot org, and um, yeah, uh, tell tell me <laughs> tell me whatever. I recently went to Amsterdam to talk at uh, and to attend Dutch Closure Days, a one day small conference about closure. Of course, in that demographic. Closure, if you don't know, it's, it's a Lisp-based, popular, dynamic language. I've been falling in love with Clojure slowly over the past few months. In that demographic, in, in Lisp and Clojure developers, of course, there are many Emacs users. And I mentioned that I, I do this Emacs cast podcast on the stage. And then several people approached me and said, thank you uh, for Emacs cast. And this is a completely new and amazing experience for me, at least within my English projects, projects in in my non-native language. With that out of the way, config news. As you know, I'm trying to simplify my config as much as possible, to delete things as much as possible, and every every moment, if, if I have a, a way to simplify something, if I have a reason, maybe something behaves not 
nicely or I just didn't use it, I delete it. So in the previous episode, I mentioned that I dropped Projectile because I wasn't using 99% of their features. I only needed Projectile to navigate to projects and search within the project. And the actual searching part was done by console, so it's not even Projectile. So I didn't use anything to navigate to projects anymore. I just I did the regular browsing, which wasn't ideal, but was just fine. And I also mentioned that I've been using console git to find files in the project. And the problem there was it didn't look for untracked files. So I had to actually make a commit in the repository to make a file, a new file accessible, which I said actually may be a good thing because it forces me to uh, not forget about committing files, especially when I'm working on a project alone on a single machine. And as this usually happens, someone on the Reddit helped me. And I'm more and more convinced that the things I have, the problems I have with Emacs are the best solved when I describe them passionately in the audio format and then just wait a few days and someone someone helps me. This is easier than writing. I don't have to mess with Markdown and, and make sure everything looks nice. I just describe it. So it's amazing. It's, it's, uh, it's like free customer support. So Reddit user Fritz Grabo, first of all, showed me that uh, that console git of course uses git itself to find files that's why it's called console git and the command in the git part is ls files so it's git ls files that command takes arguments and one of the arguments you can specify is which files to include which files to ignore if you pass others argument then it will also include untracked files so yeah you can just set this um, the command for the console git to use. And if you specify those flags, then you're all set. So now I'm back to not committing files for ages. So thank you. <laughs> and navigating to projects. It turns out the magit or magit status can actually take an argument. If you are in a project and you run magit status, it, it opens that magit status window you all know. But if you pass it an argument, it can open a status of another project. So Fritz Grabo shared a short snippet in which they define a path to the projects directory where they store code, and then just a five-liner that that asks Majid status to open something that you select from that list. Now, instead of using projectile, with the same key combination, I have a list of all the projects in my folder, and when I select a project, it opens a Majid status window, which is good because now I see what files I didn't commit <laughs> because I don't have to commit anymore. I actually showed a big part of my Emacs workflow in a video I published in, on the Reddit. I will also link in the in the show notes. Many people have been asking me to show more of the stuff that I'm talking about here without showing, so that was it. There are a few things I, I didn't mention, and there are a few things that I already gotten rid of after recording that video, so maybe I'll, I'll make an update uh, sometime soon. Thank you, Fritz Grabo, for your help. This has been an amazing addition to my config. A Reddit user, Celerita Celery, is, it, is that Latin? Anyway, also mentioned that for them, project.el and console git completely replaced projectile. So that's, that's another way to go about finding your projects and navigating your projects. And they also provide a snippet from their config to show how they achieved this. Another another thing is, uh, I don't know how to describe this, but I will try. So I have a friend, maybe you even know him from Twitter or from Closure World. His name is Nikita Prokopov. He lives in Moscow and he's an amazing Closure developer 
not only Clojure, he does a lot of stuff, but he maintains many notable Clojure and Clojure script libraries. He has a really strict view on what software should be, and we share most of the views. We actually work on a blog called Grumpy Website, which started as his Telegram channel where he shares bad experiences with the user interfaces and user experiences. We talked uh, for a bit and decided to do this thing together, kind of write about uh, different aspects of bad UX and UI in a more traditional blog format. Since then, you can check it out at grumpy.website. And yes, <laughs> it's a really stupid domain name .website. We've been looking for the stupidest domain extension possible. So we share most of the expectations of software. So we don't stand awful web apps. We don't stand electron slowness. We don't stand stupid UI changes and decisions, something like what Google does. But one of the only things where we don't agree is with Emacs. He is more consistent in this way because, well, yes, Emacs makes you work. It makes simple things that shouldn't matter, matter. It requires maintenance. And in our view, software should not require any maintenance. You should be a complete user, not an administrator, even if those projects are professional tools. Like there's, there's this single simplicity bar for all kinds of software. Of course, many people tried to convince him to switch to Emacs, but I don't think he ever will. That's not something for him. And I'm saying this is a more consistent view because I feel absolutely the same about everything else. But I make this weird exception for Emacs because I have partly an emotional attachment and partly a practical attachment. I know that even with the simplest config that I have, the things I can do here are just impossible elsewhere. It's not that I lose a small tweak or a little feature. I lose big parts of my workflow when I move elsewhere if I have to. So I'm, I I don't think Emacs is perfect. I don't think it's um, an amazingly pleasant product to use. I do think it is the best because there's nothing better for me. So with this view in mind, with this kind of relationship in mind, when we talk about Emacs with him or org mode or whatever related to Emacs, I have this kind of a self-shaming thing in my head. Like I'm worried about mentioning a problem I have with Emacs to him or in his presence, let's say, because I know what goes through his head because the same thing goes through my head as well. But like, here's an example. There's this package called Swiper, which is part of uh, Swiper Council extension family by Abo Abo, a fantastic Emacs Lisp hacker. Swiper is your search within a file. It's like iSearch, but nicer. I've been using it for a while. I moved to Swiper from Helm, and I actually, I think I have an episode just about that. It was always fantastic, but I noticed that it's slow-ish on large files. If I open a really big file, maybe more than a couple of thousand lines of text, and I hit my combination for search, which is Command F, Swiper takes maybe just less than a second. With a file about 5,000 lines, it takes more than a second. But it turns out it's not about the length. Some files are really short, like a short CSS file, just 
like a hundred lines. And for some reason there, it takes even more, like two seconds. So I've been trying to find the reason and debug this, and turns out it's because of visual lines. This Emacs setting that allows you to actually have lines wrapping and navigating between them as if there were actual, well, basically how all text editors behave in the last 20 years. Visual lines mode allows Emacs to become one of those. So of course I have visual lines on, especially when I'm writing text. I don't care that much about actual physical lines. I only care about how lines look on the screen. And I know where my new lines are because I make paragraphs. I can have a long discussion about why you should never use hard wrapping at 80 columns. I have a strong opinion about that. So maybe next time. Anyway, with visual lines, swiper can be slow in certain situations. I couldn't really figure out what exactly is that situation, what allows it to be that slow, but I don't like this, of course. I just open a random file, and for some reason, the search is really slow there. So this is something that I wouldn't want to mention to Nikita, because I would feel, maybe not even from him, like he wouldn't feel anything particularly bad or shameful towards this situation or me or Emacs, but I will impose this on myself. I will I will kind of look at it from this point of view of our shared experiences with software. And this will be like a self-shaming exercise. Like I know this shouldn't be a problem. Like I know I shouldn't spend my time figuring out why search is suddenly slow in my text editor. It shouldn't be slow, period. But here we are. <laughs> so it turns out if you disable visual lines, it's fast. It's amazingly fast. And visual lines isn't the best piece of Emacs in general. It makes certain other things slower and problematic as well. So you can kind of fix this by disabling visual lines, but I don't want these truncated lines, of course, those that go over the screen and you have to scroll horizontally. I want them to be wrapped. You can disable truncating. That will enable lines wrapping, so it kind of like visual mode, but commands to navigate within the line now navigate within the whole logical line, not visual line. So if, let's say, you have a long sentence and it takes three lines on the screen, physically it's one line. So if you are on the second line and you want to go to the beginning of this line, humans, we see three lines, so I want to go to the beginning of the second line. I go to the beginning and it brings me to the beginning of the whole sentence because for Emacs, for the computer, that is the line. For me, the line is something I see on the screen. So yeah, I, I started doing that. Um, now it's fast, but so I need to disable truncating, which is automatic in certain modes. So more more stuff in the config. I have to remap going to the beginning and the end of lines so that it actually goes to the beginning and end of the visual line, which works even without visual line mode enabled. So you can, with certain tweaking, you can emulate visual line mode. And I did that. And yes, Swiper is now super fast. And I'm thinking, oh, I mean, I'm, I'm not too happy about this, but whatever. I guess it works. I also had to, to remove those ugly arrows that appear when a line is wrapped. That was something that distracted me from actual work at that moment. But then I found a new blog post by the Swiper developer who said that they came up with a new command, Swiper iSearch, which is fast, which behaves more like iSearch because it finds multiple occurrences on the same line. 
just go ahead and try it, he said, and I did. And turns out it works perfectly fine with visual lines enabled. So I deleted all, all that stuff. I just have visual lines and swiper. I search instead of swiper. Thank you again, Oleg uh, Abo Abo, for an amazing extension. <laughs> I don't have to shame myself again. Search is fast. Everything is good. So writing part two. Here is one of my use cases. I often have to write something in pure HTML and it's usually some form on a website which doesn't allow markdown or anything like that. The best thing they can offer is some what you see is what you get visual proprietary editor on the web page with weird behavior and key combinations. So of course I don't want to mess with that. So what I do is if it's some random website which I have to interact with, I just go to whatever temporary org file I have. If it's a website that I regularly post to, and sometimes I have to do this, then I have a big org file for that information. So I store whatever goes onto that website in my org file, and my org file is the single source of truth. And the example of that is the online courses that I'm working on with my wife and partner. So let's say for simplicity, I write in org, and there's new chapter I have to publish. So I write it in org mode, and then one of the most useful comments I found for myself in org is narrowing to a subtree and widening, meaning I want to focus on something. I don't want to see anything else on the screen. So I go into a a section that I want to focus on and I hit command control down and this narrows it down to the subtree. I don't see anything else on the screen. And from there, I can run a command from the OX slim HTML package that generates HTML without anything. Absolutely simple, slim HTML. I know org actually can export HTML natively. You don't need any extensions, but it adds a lot of stuff. It adds like IDs and classes, and I'm sure you can configure it, but the easiest way for me was finding a package that does just that. So it creates HTML. You can save it into a file or into a temporary buffer. So I wrote just a few lines of uh, elisp that upon my key press generates that html exports it to a new buffer copies it and deletes that buffer and by copying i mean copying it into my system clipboard so now it's absolutely easy for me to do that stuff with websites because i write in org i then hit a single combination and the result is in the clipboard so i just go to the website i paste it and that's it and if i want to modify something i just repeat this process the same thing is possible with Markdown. I don't use Markdown personally anymore, but when I work with other people like my wife, we work in Markdown and we work on this online course together. And it's a huge Markdown file, each section for a particular lesson. Similar things work in Markdown mode. You can narrow to a subtree, same key combination and widen, and Markdown mode can export pure HTML out of the box. I just use that command and have a similar function to export, copy, close. When we are finished with that course and it's finalized, I export it to org and it is permanently stored in org mode. If I have to make quick changes by myself, I just leave it in org as it is. And if we have to continue working on it, I export it back to Markdown. But it's usually not the case. It's more like a book. It's finished. Maybe the new version will be like a new edition, but that that won't affect the old version. This gives me quite a lot of advantages. It's actually a project of ours called CodeExpanse, CodeExpanse.com. It hasn't been launched yet, but uh, it's public in a way that 
it's accessible. Part of that idea is providing online courses with additional materials. Like you can complete an online course and then download an ebook with all the contents of that course. How do you make this an easy process for us? Well, if I write everything in org mode and it is the only single source of truth, then I can also export the same file into an ebook, into different ebooks with Pandoc into a single HTML file, if I really want, into PDF to print and distribute. This is one of those things that I don't think I could achieve in any other editor or any other piece of software. Here, it's trivial. When I started working with that platform where I have to work with HTML, I knew at that moment that I can make this easier with Emacs. This isn't a problem of finding a way. It's a problem of just writing code. I didn't think about having a particular feature that I needed. I only thought about having time to research whatever functions I needed, because uh, after all, it's text manipulation, and I have this universal text manipulating framework available to me. And it's an amazing feeling. I'm trying to capture it. I'm trying to not take it for granted. Uh, And I know this might sound like a fanboy-ism It truly is an amazing feeling, a feeling I've been missing for a while, and many of you have been missing, I think, as well. Software should be universal, and software can do technically anything. And it's really, really weird that today, after decades and decades of software development progress, we have these weird feature problems. Problems like, I used to be a Spotify subscriber, so I used their clients on mobile. As far as song meta information goes, it's just text. And computers can do text, right? They they can manage whatever with text. But since this isn't just pure data flowing into your device, it's uh, text within their app, within a framework, within an operating system. And on each level, there are restrictions. This is why I cannot just sort songs like I want unless someone specifically writes that feature, unless someone specifically writes code to sort songs. And we became accustomed to it in a way that we don't expect software to be universal at all. We expect software to be written by humans. Each piece of software should solve all the problems that other pieces already solve, if you're lucky. So I guess if it wasn't for Emacs, then I would either do it all by hand and just suffer, or combine like a bunch of utilities and bash scripts and not as pleasant and and easy uh, to work with as Emacs. I also wanted to mention a few other things I can't live without as far as writing goes. Spell checker, if I make a mistake, and I've shown this in the video, I just hit a key combo and a list of possible options appears. And the first option is usually the one that I want because I made a simple typo and I just hit zero to select the first option, and it's replaced. As you know, English is not my native language, so when I write texts in English, I want them to be more fancy. I often find myself looking for synonyms, and there are many websites to do that, like thesaurus.org and OpenThesaurus and whatever, and there's a package called Power Thesaurus, which goes to the OpenThesaurus website and finds synonyms from there. So when my cursor, or pointer is on a word, I hit a key combination and I see a list of possible synonyms to this word. I can just select one, hit enter, and the word is replaced. It's quite amazing. The next thing for me to do is to make sure this thesaurus works offline. So I might need to do some work there and maybe change packages and download some stuff. 
So yeah, that's all I got. Thank you. Bye-bye.